So last week we started, I started a message and I got to a point in the message where God just said, you know what, stop. We've said enough. You can finish it next week. And that's the great part about God is I don't have to finish a message. He does. And so God said, Brian, just stop, let them let go, and, and you can get back to it next week. But let me just kind of give you a recap, because some of you weren't with us, some of you were working, some of you were out of town, so let me give you the recap so that we can get on the right page together. Last week, we were in the book of Luke in chapter 2, where we came across two characters who make their appearance in the final act of the Christmas drama, a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. They don't appear in any nativity scene or any Christmas cards, but they're significant players in the Christmas pageant. Both of these individuals were waiting for something. Well, actually, they were waiting for someone. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says this. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, let me just kind of give you some backstory to this. Things weren't going real well for the nation of Israel. They hadn't heard from God for many years and were under Roman rule now. They had lost their political independence and were living in fear of King Herod. Many were wondering if the Messiah would even come. Anybody ever felt that way sometimes? You wonder, when's he going to show up? Simeon was desperate for comforting and his expectations focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. And the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time, on just the right day, that Joseph and Mary were bringing their infant to the temple. When Simeon looked at the baby Jesus, now about six weeks old, he knew that God's promise had been kept. Here was Emmanuel, God with us, to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence, and to eliminate rejection, fear, and loneliness. So you've got Simeon at one moment, and then you've got Anna on the other side who was waiting for deliverance. Somebody needs to, amen. They're waiting on the thump to stop, amen. Her husband had died. She had dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. The Bible says that she never left the temple but worshiped day and night. We're talking about a modern-day prayer warrior. This woman was on fire, but she was looking forward to the same person as Simeon was, but with a different orientation. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for deliverance. In Luke chapter 2, verse 38, it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Anna saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke to him to all who were waiting for redemption. Here, at last, was the one who would save his people from their sins. So watch this. Christmas provided Jesus. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now, somebody said, Pastor, where's Christmas in the Bible? You will never find the word Christmas in your Bible. I don't know if that's a Hallmark-created word. I don't know where we came up with Christmas, whether it's Europe. I don't know. But here's the truth of it. Christmas, first of all, is not December 25th, just so you know. So just so you get that out of your head, well, that's Jesus' birthday. No, that is not even biblical. That's what we've made it. Fine, we'll pick a day, we'll celebrate it. Praise God. But can I just be honest with you? Isn't Christmas every day? Come on, just be real for me for a second. If Jesus was never born, you and I die. It's as simple as that. If Jesus doesn't come to the earth, we go to hell. Wow, that's really blunt, Pastor. You're right. 
And God, in all of his infinite love for us, said, you know what? I love them so much, I'm going to send Jesus to die on a cross just so that they might live. Isn't every day Christmas and shouldn't every day be the same celebration? Why do we have to wait till one day a year to, oh, all of a sudden remember Jesus' birth? Baby, I'm breathing because of Jesus' birth. I'm standing on this platform because of Jesus' birth. I'm married and got four beautiful kids because of Jesus' birth. I'm not broke because of Jesus. See, I'm just telling you, if it wasn't for Jesus' birth, you and I are jacked up. Some of us are still jacked up, but that's okay. Here's the problem is, is that we've gotten to this place where we've, we've commercialized Christmas, where we've, we've created something that is not, and I, I got to be honest with you, I, I know we go, let's celebrate, let's have a birthday party for Jesus, but the problem is no one's bringing presents anymore. We're just bringing problems. Jesus, you're the hope of glory. You're the hope of the world. You're the first and the last. Jesus, you're everything that I needed in order to survive, but yet I need you to do more. Because the culture has become one of give me rather than give him. It's come to the point where God fix me, change me, do me, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, everything for me. And I'm sorry, but the, the birthday child is sitting at the table with the cake. Wondering sometimes, why is everybody here? Because did they come to celebrate me or did they come to hand me a list of their problems that I already promised in my word that I would overcome? In fact, that I already did overcome because when I died, I overcame death, hell, and the grave. I've overcome everything. I am the overcomer. I, do they not understand what I've done for them but Jesus, give me more. Jesus, give me peace. I've already given you peace. Jesus, give me hope. I've already given you hope. The problem is, is that we're too busy unwrapping presents rather than tearing off the swaddling clothes of a baby in a manger. We're too busy unwrapping boxes, hoping that the promise will be inside of a present rather than in the presence of Jehovah. We're too busy. We're too busy. So Christmas provides Jesus. Jesus provides what, what they needed. But what do you need this Christmas? In fact, what are you waiting for? Because let's be honest, we all wait for something. Yeah, my kids, my kids measure the boxes under the tree. Come on, some of you adults do the same thing. Amen. <laughs> like, I wonder if that's mine. Like, I was wrapping a box, and it's nothing big, but, but it, was, it was a tall, slender box. And Asher walks in the room, and I'm done wrapping the box. And Asher walks in, and he goes, that one's mine. I said, how do you know? He goes, because it's the big one. We, we've, all, we've all marked what's ours. I, I told my wife the other day, I said, baby, I already bought your Christmas. What'd you get me? As if I'm going to tell you. Well, why won't you tell? Because it's not Christmas yet. Well, where is it? It's not even under the tree, Jack. Well, why not? Because I know you. That when I leave the house, you'll start inspecting. Because you want to know exactly what I bought you for Christmas. Ha ha, it's not coming out till we're done on Christmas Eve night and everything's put out. And then you can find out Christmas morning. And I know you won't wake up because once you're in bed asleep, you're asleep. Amen. And so, so I, I, we, we all have expectations. We all have things that we're waiting for. But here was the thing, and this is the piece that I was looking at. Simeon and Anna were waiting for Jesus to show up. They had a hope. They had a, 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 they had a promise, a prophetic promise that Jesus was going to come and deliver them, that Jesus was going to come and bring consolation, that Jesus was going to come and bring peace to the world, that Jesus was going to come and, and, and bring salvation to the world, that Jesus was going to come. This, this, this is the promise that they had. But here's the problem in the church today. We act like Anna and Simeon as if he hasn't come yet. 
Anna and Simeon literally had a promise. That's all they had. They had a prophetic promise. That was it. They had heard for years, probably from generations, that one day there would be a Messiah. The church today is operating under the same auspice that one day we might have a Messiah. Come on, work with me. Y'all looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate right now. No, Pat, no, we do. Because if the Messiah is truly here, you have no more needs. Oh, it gets thick real quick. If the Messiah is truly here, then you're not looking for something to be changed. He has already changed you. If the Messiah, and you are a believer, is truly here, you have no... I was, I was, I was watching this video the other day, and it was Messianic Jews. And, and, and I love history. I love culture. And I, I like to compare today's church to <laughs> the other church and wonder where we went wrong. And, and, uh, and, and, and I was watching something, and, and a Messianic Jew came up, and he said, you know, he said, here's the problem. The church folk today or Christians today tell God how they're so upset about what they're walking through. He said, but those who have truly received the Messiah. Those who have truly received what God is and what God's done understand that God walks us through. And sometimes the things we walk through is so we can get to a better place. But most of the world complains about where they are, where we celebrate where we are, because we trust God more than we trust the problem. We trust God more than we look even at the provision. We know he's already provided and we're good. But for some reason, when we walk through turmoil or trials and tribulations, we forget the scripture that says through every trial and tribulation, God always makes a way of escape. We have a tendency to forget and act like as if God has closed the door, welded it shut, and said, no, you're just going to die in this. No, God says, listen, if you'll grab a hold of my unchanging hand and walk with me through this season, I'll not only teach you something, but I'll get you on the outside of it. More people are sitting at Christmas talking about their problems than they are talking about their promises. They're more worried about what they didn't get than they already got. And maybe I'm just using Christmas for us to finally get to the point where we stop complaining about what we didn't get this year, hoping we'll get it next year, and understanding that you don't need a Christmas tree or boxes to get what you've been looking for. All you've got to do is accept Jesus, receive him, walk with him, talk with him, and let him become the Lord of your life, and he'll change you forever. You'll never look back. You'll never wonder again, Come on, come on, come work with me for a second. Don't you get tired when believers claim one thing but then demonstrate another? Oh, I trust God. God, where have you gone? Oh, God, I just don't understand. Why is he forsaken me? Because the word hasn't gotten in your spirit yet for you to actually believe that he says he'll never forsake you. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. I think we subscribe to the idea of Jesus, but we don't subscribe to the fullness of who he is. We subscribe to the, because everyone needs a savior, because let me help you something. As long as there's evil in the world, everybody needs a superhero. The problem is, is that Jesus far outweighs Superman any day. Batman didn't even have superheroes, and we call him a superhero. He didn't have superpowers, but we call him a superhero. He's not the Avengers. He's none of this. He is beyond all of that, and yet we still act like for some reason he can't overcome our situations. No. Listen. Over 2,000 years ago, all of my problems were met. Oh, y'all get quiet and all of a sudden, no, Pastor, I still got problems. Then go back 2,000 years ago and put Jesus back in, and you might find out that you can overcome. For the Bible says that you are overcomers mm -mm, by the blood of who? Who is that lamb? Mm, okay. 
So I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Now, the word of your testimony doesn't come out until you finally understand that you're an overcomer. Okay, so I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. If I take the blood of the lamb out the table, what am I overcoming? I'm, I'm hoping one day we get to the point as a church where we stop complaining about what we don't have and start worshiping because we do have. That we live in the we do have. It might not look the way you want it to look, but you do have. You might not be the way you want it to be. It might not be that perfect space. Maybe what we need to do is grab a hold of God so God can give us a better vision point because some of the stuff that we want isn't even God. So Christmas provided Jesus. Jesus provided what we needed. What are you waiting for? Whatever it is, Jesus can give it to you. Whatever it is. I don't care what you're looking for in this room. If you subscribe to the things of God, there it is. Because watch this, watch this. If you don't believe it, take your Bible. And as you exit, we'll place a trash can by the door. Just deposit it as you walk out. Pastor, I'd never throw away my Bible. Let me help you with something. If you don't read it and don't let it in you, you might as well put it in the trash. Because that means you don't believe it. Because whatever you subscribe to, you'll read about. And whatever you read about, you'll begin to believe. And what you begin to believe, you'll begin to act upon. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You can't just read it and hope it. This isn't a book of hope. Baby, this is a book of promise. From Genesis to Revelations, this is the fullness of the promise. The story of Christmas lies right in the middle of it, Jack. So everything before and after is centered upon this moment. Why would you be crazy enough not to believe what's in here? Like every promise, every word, every and, every it, every but is for you. Hold on to it. Pastor, I just don't know how we're going to make it. Well, let God in and you'll find out. Whatever it is, Jesus can give it to you. You might identify with Simeon. You might even deal with Anna. You might need consoling. You might need deliverance. Whatever it is, whatever you're looking for, God has already provided. You just kind of get it. Can I just be honest with you? Stop ignoring the little present because you want the big present. Sometimes the best anointing is in the small package. Oh, why didn't he send a man in king form? Because he knew that the world would overlook it and they would have to really make a decision rather than just accept because he looked like a king. Ah, I see so many people don't really understand that even the wise men were magi. They weren't even spirit-filled people. They were people who lived based on the astrology of the stars. People don't realize that. They want to say, oh, they were men after God. They're, no, baby, they didn't know God. They were astrologers. They, they literally planned their whole lives based on where the stars moved. And yet this angel shows up to him and says, I know you've heard the stories, but I want to show you. So I'm going to use a star to get you to a manger, the most unlikely place a king would ever be. You ever wonder why you go through manger moments to get to promises you've been looking for? Oh, here it comes. See, because everybody wants the stuff. But nobody realizes it's been sitting there the whole time. What are you expecting to receive? Are you looking forward to anything special this Christmas? Now, Pastor, I'm looking forward to that big present under the tree because I know I've been good all year long. Or my husband better give me what I, okay, Amen. If he loved me. Baby, can I just say this to you as a sidebar? If your love for your spouse is found in a box, you might want to check the love that you have. Because there ain't a big enough box that could contain the amount of love I got for my wife. I'm just trying to get it there. Amen. Do you realize that because of Christ, you have already, you already have everything you need? You don't have to look any further, hope any longer, expect a brighter day. He is here. The Bible says he is God with with, with, that means right next to you, right now, in this moment, God with us. 
But sometimes we just need to have a better perspective. So I kind of talked about it last week. Let me show you this video real quick. Maybe this will help you a little bit. <laughs> I'm alive! I'm alive! that'll help you a little bit with your Christmas, maybe understanding that God's already been good. Because huh. huh. to be honest, we, we tend to wait till this season to complain. But yet understanding that God's been good. Can I just tell you this? Complaint is not worship. Complaining is not bringing God your best. Complaining is bringing God your worst because what you basically are doing is devaluing the promises of God. I don't know. I, I, we, we, we've made this rule in our house. We, we're trying to abide by it. We, we talked about it a couple months back or when I went to a conference and I came back. I said, you know what we need to really work on? And that's the spirit of complaining. Because complaining diminishes the value of God in our lives. Because if we complain, then God is not enough. He is more than enough. And so this morning, I told you last week, I was going to give you the three points to getting to the place of finding what you need this Christmas. Are you ready for them? So now that everybody understands where we've been, you can go back and read Luke chapter 2 later on your own time, but I'm going to get you to these three points this morning. So once we've talked about Anna and Simeon, we understand what they've been looking for. I need you to understand there are three areas in your life that you need to start operating in in order for you to find out what it is you've been looking for. Not what you want, but what you need. Why are y'all so quiet with me today? Am I really I'm preaching that hard? Praise the Lord. I need you to find out what you want, not what you I mean, what you need, not what you want. So watch this. According to the dictionary, the word marvel is to, be is to be defined as to be filled with wonder, astonishment, and surprise. So number one, number one, you need to do this Christmas is become a marveler. I don't even know if the word marveler is a word, but it's going to be a word in my sermon today because I think that's the best way I can present it. You need to become a marveler, not a marbler, a marveler. Not a superhero or a Marvel character, a marveler. You need to learn how to be in awe or astonishment and surprise at the goodness of God in your life. Do not ever get to a point in your existence that you have an expectation, but that you should always stand in awe of how good he is. See, people go, well, he's just going to, he's going to, you know, I, I just, I know, I know, I know him and, and he's just going to do it. And, and I, I, when we lose the awe of who he is. We lose the, the, the fullness of what he can do in our lives because it's like, it's like this. Uh, okay, every morning, 
Pastor Troy goes by Starbucks. Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody that drinks Starbucks? Amen. And, and Pastor Troy goes by Starbucks because he grabs me a cup of coffee on the way in. And, and, and although I'm paying for the cup of coffee, I'm in awe every morning when I walk in and there's a cup of coffee on my desk. Why? Well, you know he's going to do it, but he doesn't have to do it. He chooses to do it. And so when I walk into my office and, and, and gold is sitting on my desk, I lift up my hands in worship and I, how great is my God, sing with me. No, like I, I feel the anointing. Come on, if you ever sit in Starbucks, go to Starbucks one day, walk inside the door, stand at the bar, watch the people who go through the drive-thru. It is the funniest thing to watch. They pull up to the drive-thru window, they're like this. As soon as the person walks to the window with a cup of coffee, like all of a sudden, am I wrong? It, it, the persona changes. They go from demon-possessed to filled with the Spirit. Like that over a cup of coffee. Okay, I don't, I'm not that bad, but baby, I like my cup of coffee. So, okay, so I walk in, and I don't have an expectation that the coffee will be there. I have a thanksgiving that the coffee has arrived there. Watch. If I walk in the door and the coffee is not on my table, it is not his fault. Mm. Well, why didn't Pastor Troy get you a cup of coffee? That's his responsibility. First of all, it's nobody's responsibility to buy me a cup of coffee. First of all. But here's what happens. The relationship that him and I have built creates a give and take where he has a desire to do things to bless me as I have a desire to do things and bless him. There is not an expectation. There is a relationship. You have to become a marveler at the things of God. And I'm going to say this to you in, in, in crazy spaces. Uh, uh, we've watched Pastor Glenn be healed. We've watched Papa show back up at the house. We've watched miracles happen. We've watched Jerry go through heart surgery. We've watched me go through heart surgery. We've seen all these things happen. You've had your own miracles. God's good, right? God's good. Here's the crazy thing. We, for some reason, God still has to keep performing miracles for him to be good. In other words, his goodness only lasts as long as the last miracle. We have become a modern-day uh, seeker. The people who flogged him down <laughs> in order to see the blessings but yelled, yelled, crucify him the following day. The ones who cried Hosanna the day before and then the next day said, crucify him, give us Barabbas. That we've become that same because we, were only, we will only extend God's goodness as far as the last miracle rather than you waking up and realizing that because you're breathing, you are a miracle. That the fact that you, you might not have everything you want, but there's miracles operating around you. And you just got to see it yeah. and believe it yeah. and trust it. Yeah. We, 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 we're not marveling anymore. We're, we're living in a place of expectation of more stuff. And God says, no, no, no. I, because when you're a marveler, I'm more than enough. When you're marveled by who I am, then you're, then you're more than enough. Are, are you a marvel of this Christmas or are you too caught up in the busyness or the business and stress of the season? Have you been running around because of the holidays, or are you taking the time to make Christmas a holy day, not a holiday? Mm. Has Christmas become too predictable, too familiar? You know how it works. You really wait to the last minute, and then you go run into the stores, and then you complain because the stores are packed because you, like everybody else, waited to the last minute. And you hear everybody cussing and look at you go, Merry Christmas. Blankety blank. Merry Christmas. Blankety blank. Mer mer Merry Christmas. What are we doing? Please don't say Merry Christmas. Don't say it. Because you can't put Christ in what came out your mouth five seconds ago. Unless you were saying Jesus as a superlative to lead you into something else you were going to say. I was, okay, watch. I don't mean to get on these stories, but I was driving down Front Street the other day. I don't understand what's wrong with people. 
I'm literally in a cross street, right? So I'm going down Front Street. Here's Florida Avenue. And I'm, I'm okay, so there's traffic. I can't go anywhere. The guy's sitting here coming onto Front Street. I'm in the middle of the... T- I inch up forward as soon as I can. I, I can't control traffic. So I inch up. He whips around me. Stops his car. Gives me a hello signal, reversed. And minus a couple fingers. <laughs> Rolls his window down. And I just rolled down my window and said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> down the street. Merry Christmas. That's what we've become. We're too caught up. <laughs> there is so much anxiety and depression. <laughs> Why? I'm good. Why can't we be good? I just don't have enough, Pastor. My family's going to be mad at me because I didn't get them what they want. Mm. Mm. Can I just say it? Don't get offended. Give them Jesus. You'll never have to be enough. Has Christmas become too predictable? I got to move on real quick. So I don't, I don't want offenses going on today. Has Christmas become too predictable, too familiar? Have you heard the Christmas story so much that it no longer astonishes you? Now we've moved to the Christmas story rather than Jesus's. Some of y'all know where I'm going. At. You're going to shoot your eye out. Okay. Get on USA. They play it all day long. Okay. This can be one of the most dangerous or the one of the greatest times of the year. Because our annual celebration of Christmas can either immunize us to its reality or we can accept the fullness of what it brings and walk in it all year long. I choose to believe that Christmas comes before a new year to get us ready for the new year. (laughs) Because we wait to the new year to change everything rather than Jesus came so that everything might be changed. So when I celebrate Christmas the right way, I don't need a New Year's Day to change who I am. Christmas reminds me of what he's done, and it gives me the expectation of what him and I can do in the next year. That with him, the God with us, Emmanuel, if he's with me, we can do anything together, but separated from him, I cannot. You have to become a marveler. We hear just enough of the story each year to inoculate us against the real thing. So that we never really catch true Christmas fever. Here's an idea that may help you to recapture or marvel this Christmas. Pick one of the Christmas characters, just one, and put yourself in their sandals. Imagine what it must have been like to witness the Christmas story firsthand. Go ahead, pick one. Mary, Joseph, the shepherd, Simeon, Anna, the wise men, whoever you want to choose. But put yourself in that space. Don't crawl in the manger with your hand out. Put yourself in the ones that came in to see Jesus. Unlike us at some points who want to be Jesus. I don't want to be the hope and glory for my family. I want to be a blessing, but I don't want to be the hope and glory for my family. I want to remind them how good God is. Ah, Look, I know people get mad when I tell the story all the time. I tell it every year, and I'm going to keep telling it for the rest of my life. My kids get Three Christmas presents on Christmas. Pastor, that's just mean. Why would you only give three? Jesus got three. Why are my kids any better? Now, it doesn't mean that I don't give them nice stuff when we can. 
But I've made a rule. We used to, when we started, come on, work with me. When I first started as a dad, I wanted to buy my kids the world. Anybody parent want to join me for a second? I want to give them everything. Fast. I want to give them everything I didn't have. Maybe there was a reason you didn't have. Because maybe if you would have had, you would have become rebellious. Maybe if you had, you would have become prideful. Maybe just what you didn't get was the right thing so that you could learn how to respect what you did get. And so I'm looking at my kids going, listen, I know you want da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but let me just be real honest with you. Mom and dad don't own da-da-da-da-da. We're not rich like da-da-da-da-da. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to work in the auspice of what we can do, but you get three. But, 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 dad, but dad, Johnny over the street got three. Yeah, and ask him about his relationship with his parents. Because, baby, let me help with something real quick, and I'm not trying to get tight real quick, but I'm going to say this to you. Those parents that tried so hard to win their children's affection by presence under a tree end up having rebellious children who disrespect them and are disloyal to the family values of that house, and they do not serve God. They serve gifts. Boy, it got tight in the room, didn't it? Just, everybody's like, don't say it. Help me help with something. I hold on to that scripture. says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. I'm not serving a Christmas tree or a presents under it. Amen. So go ahead, pick one. But you're going to have to start marveling at the thing called Christmas. You're going to have to start marveling at the birth of Jesus. If there was no birth, there is no you. Once you've become a marveler, then you need to become a mover. Why do I say become a mover? Because watch, in verse 27, it says that Simeon was moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. In verse 38, it says, coming up to them at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God. Both Simeon and Anna were movers. When the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they did not sit still. I wonder what would have happened if they had not responded. I wonder what would have happened if they didn't move into the space of receiving their consolation, receiving their restoration, receiving their peace. Receive. Listen, here's the great part. You can have gifts all day long, but if you don't receive them, they're never yours. It's like this. You got a present under the tree. It's nobody's name on it. Everybody's wondering whose present that is. Is that mine? Is that yours? Is that, is that Asher's? Is that Hope's? Is that Love's? Is that Dad's? Whose is it? Who's that tree? It's for all of us. That's the hope. That's the promise. But let me help you with something. As long as it's under wrappings and in a box, it's not been received yet. It's still a present under a tree with no value to it. In order to receive who Christ is, you're going to have to unwrap it. So I talked last week. Some of us uh, have presents sitting around us, and we've never taken the time to unwrap the thing that's on the inside of them so that we can have what God brought to us. I'm going to say this to you. There are married couples today that are celebrating Christmas who have never unwrapped each other to find the gifts of God on the inside of them. They just like the outer packaging. We're not receiving. We're not moving from the Holy Spirit. We're moving towards a want. We're moving towards what we think we should get. And if we don't get it, then we're going to be angry, depressed, and frustrated. As opposed to moving towards the promise that has come to bring freedom, joy, peace. He's come that we might be overcomers. Mary was ready to move when she, when she said to the angel, may it, be, may, it, may it be to me as you have said in Luke chapter 2, verse 38. Joseph demonstrated that he was a mover when he woke up from his dream and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary 
home as his wife in Matthew 1.24. The shepherds were movers as well when they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When God prompts you to do something, then you need to do it. It, it might mean salvation for some of you. It might mean full surrender for others of you. Maybe the Spirit wants you to be more involved this year. Maybe, maybe it's time that you stop talking about why you're standing still and start moving towards the promise. Are you willing to move this Christmas? Are you willing to get up and go receive? Or do you wait for somebody to stand under the tree to give you what you want? Don't procrastinate when God prompts you to do something. You may miss out on the miracle this Christmas. Come on, watch, 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 watch. watch. It's kind of like this, walking off camera, but that's all right. I don't know what's in this box. I think there is something in this box. I can kind of feel it. Anybody want this? Because here's, here's the truth of it. You don't know what's in here. That's just a prop, Pastor. There's nothing in this box. Are you sure? Are you sure? Pastor, that's a really light box. There's nothing in that box. Are you sure? But in order for you to find out what's in it, what are you going to have to do? But how are you going to get it? Well, Pastor, I'm going to wait for you to bring it to me. That's the problem because if I have to bring it to you, I'm going to wrap it myself. Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart knocking, waiting. Well, you're Jesus. Why can't you open up the door? Because I don't open up doors. I wait for you to allow me to enter in. Because if I was really king of your life, you would open up the door and let me in rather than me have to force my way. That's a thief. He says, I'm your gift. How long will you wait before you open it? But, but, Pastor, there can't be anything great. What if I told you there was, like, cash in here? See, that makes it light. There's no, there's no movement to it. There's no dunk, 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 dunk in there. But there could be something, and no one will come. And here's the crazy part. After Christmas, the gift's still there. Every morning... The gift is there. <laughs> we spend our entire lives waiting for Christmas to buy some stupid Christmas paper and put bows on it. The people are going to rip through and tear off and throw in the trash. Y'all going to find out how I feel about Christmas real quick. Because I, 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 I've, I, God's dealt with me on this. I, I love Christmas. I enjoy it with my family. But, but every day there's another present. The, 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 present, the presence of God is available for us. He just wants to know, will you move towards it? Will I stand in my seat hoping that if I worship loud enough, God will fix me? Or will I move toward the presence of God and let him overtake me? What will I do? You have to become not only a marveler at this thing called Christmas and the Jesus that has come to redeem us and save us and set us free, but you also have to become a mover towards him. Stop waiting for him to get up and bring it to you. Go get it. Move towards it. It said that Simeon was at home and the Holy Spirit moved him and said, get up, go to the temple. Simeon said, okay, go to the temple. Not knowing that he was going to encounter the promises of his ancestors. Not knowing that that statement that he made to God said, God, if I could just see the promise before I die, I'll be okay. We don't get the storyline after Simeon sees Jesus, but I'm going to tell you what probably happened. He probably went home and went to see the Lord, but he received his promise. But he had to move. Could you imagine if Simeon stayed home? 
Why would we prolong the promises of God because our refusal to move towards him? I just, I'm tired of moving, and I just, I've been moving my entire life, and I don't, the problem is you've been moving in the wrong directions, towards the wrong things, towards the things that don't give you a promise and a hope and a life ever after. It only gave you a moment, a second of fleeting excitement, and then it wears off, and then you put it in a corner. Here's the crazy part. I've unwrapped this gift called Jesus. There is nothing in this world that can supersede the power that this one gift brought to my life. It took me out of prison. It saved my life. It healed my heart. I stopped being an orphan and found out I had been adopted into the greatest family ever. I, I stopped being fearful of what was tomorrow and just started to enjoy today. Ah, this is the greatest gift I got. My wife was, baby, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. Not because I don't have things I'd like to have. We all have things we'd like to have. But God's been that good. If I get nothing, I still have everything. Y'all ever get them on Christmas and wonder where your present is? Find where he is and you'll be satisfied. So you become a marveler. Become a mover. Here's part three. Here's number three. Become a messenger. Hmm. Why did I give you newcomer? Why did I give you invitation cards for Christmas? Because Christmas has got to be more than you filling another slot for a Christmas Eve service to hold a candlelight where we sing a couple songs. What's the gift of Christmas? Can we give him away? Can we bring people to the manger? Oh, maybe the reason they won't come with us to the manger is because we don't see it as the manger anymore. We see it as a bank. <laughs> waiting to get what's ours, rather than our marvel and our moving compels them to come see what we've been seeing. Huh. Compels them to come receive what we've received. Does the world know what you've received yet? Does the world around you know what you've unwrapped? Or are they wondering because of your actions whether you've really unwrapped it yet or not? Because I'm going to be honest with you because I just got to say this. In a lot of churches today, there's a lot of people walking around with presents that are still fully wrapped. See, here's the crazy part. As long as I'm holding the wrap, I can't hold in the wrap box, I can't worship. But once I've unwrapped the package, he now lives on the inside of me, which makes worship really easy. Because I am not bound by the package, I am bound to my Savior. And this is the thing, and this is the struggle, is, is that we're, we're not doing this. And so when it comes to Christmas, Pastor, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell my family we're going to have a Christmas Eve service, and I'm going to hope that they come. What about your coworker who's going through hell? What about your next door neighbor who's not saved? And you think because you subscribe to that weird thing called Christianity that they'll turn you down. Maybe they're waiting for your invitation. The wise men were invited. Why won't we invite them? Why won't we invite people anymore? Because, because we we're going to ask them to subscribe to a story? No, we're asking them to receive a Savior. Hope of glory. The promise. It says in Luke chapter 238, it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. How many people did you know are looking for redemption and haven't found it yet? How many people? Come on, work with me for a second. You understand the society we live in. You understand the culture we live in. How much redemption is still needed? Let me just say this to you. The reason redemption hasn't been found by those who have not been redeemed is because we are not speaking redemption. We're speaking lights and screens and warmth and comfort of a church. 
rather than the promise that Christ brings to our lives and what he's done for us. I know this isn't the popular message because everybody wants to be light and fluffy in the church these days. Nobody wants to declare the word. We just want to declare a feeling. I can turn the air on at 68 degrees and give you goosebumps. But I want those moments when it's hotter than Hades and all of a sudden the hair on your arm stands straight up and you go, whoo-hoo-hoo. And then this is unpopular. I was talking with Kirk the other day. I said, you know, I think I, I figured it out. I think I figured it out. I'm old school. I'm old school. I don't preach the comfort message. I don't preach the cheesy message. I don't preach the best life now message. I preach the uncompromised word of God, which unfortunately in the church day has become unpopular. But let me help you with something. If the uncompromised word of God is unpopular, then so was his birth, death, and resurrection. So I get it. I understand. Some people don't like to hear me preach. I feel guilty when I walk out of your church. That's not to give you guilt. That's to bring change. Jesus said offenses will come. Jesus said offenses will come. That's what his word says. Read your Bible if you haven't read it. The Bible says that Jesus said offenses will come. You know what the word offenses translated as? Change. Yeah. Not many people get offended because nobody wants to change anymore. They want to subscribe to the idea of Jesus but never change. Yeah. How can you receive the Savior and not be changed by the Savior? I've been changed. You've been changed. But it's time that we bring that change to the world. you got to become a messenger. Look at it this way. Maybe those people's anticipation or longings really represent an inner search for comfort or forgiveness, those things that only the Messiah can provide. God wants each one of us to become messengers of the Christmas story. And as we become marvelers, the wonder of Christmas will astonish us. As we become movers, we will move ourselves closer to Jesus and our needs for comfort and forgiveness will be met. As we become messengers, we will be in position to introduce others to the Christ of Christmas so that they can in turn find what they've been waiting for. On Friday night, we began to give away Christmas blessings. We haven't finished yet, but in the process of doing Christmas blessings and the amazing amount that this church gave to that moment, because last year we barely received $1,000. And this year, God moved on the hearts of people in certain ways. Certain people gave big amounts. Some people gave small amounts. But what does it matter? It was the heart to give. And in the process of us going through what was given to us in the forms of Christmas blessing, as I was praying, God began to lay people on my heart. People who never asked for a blessing. People who said, well, just get it. God will take care of it. And so I, we, went, we went to the first place uh, I'm not going to say this person's name, but Robert, Pastor Robert, Pastor Troy, myself, went to the first place and walked into this place. And it's a young lady who's been through all kinds of tough stuff. She walks over, and and she knew she had put in the form. Pastor Robert asked her to do it. And and this is what she wrote on her her form. So she skipped her and went straight to her one child. And she wrote, I want a toy box. And I think she wrote a, uh, like a baby shark toy. That's it. And I was like, man, she didn't even ask for anything, but just that. So we walked to the door and, and she called over to the side. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I said, listen, the reason I'm here, she doesn't know me. She only knows Pastor Robert. I said, the reason that I'm here tonight is because you 
asked for some help for Christmas. She said, yes, sir, I did. And you could kind of see it in her eyes. She kind of just, yeah, I did. And, and she didn't want to ask for help. And I said, well, after we talked about it and we went through all this stuff, we just realized we wanted to bless you. And so I walked up to her and I said, here's $500 for you for Christmas. I said, this is on behalf of my wife and I and our amazing church family. We want to bless you. Now, the reason I'm telling this story is because there are moments when you tell stories like this that people begin to, in the church, go, well, why didn't I get something? But you have. So we, we finished that one, and she's weeping and crying in the middle of Papa John's pizza. She didn't know what to do. She hugged me, hugged us all numerous times, and, and we just left. Because I believe it's all you need is a seed. God reaps the harvest. So we get up, we pack up, we, we head to the next place, and we, we pull into a place in Old Town, and uh, this young lady, don't know why we're doing it, but here's God. Once again, we pull into the neighborhood, and she comes out, and we blessed her. And I'm, I, I, There's a lot. We blessed a lot of families this year, and, and, and we handed this young lady $250. She said, you have no idea. I said, what? She says, Pastor Troy and I were standing. She said, two years ago, my daughter died on Christmas Day. And she said, uh, we've got a past. And we moved here from North Carolina, and my husband was arrested this morning. And I'm all by myself. We stood in the parking lot of this place and just prayed for her. And I said, listen, we as a family are waiting for you whenever you're ready. But God's going to make this an amazing Christmas go from that house to another house. We go from that house to another house. And people are like, well, do I need to come get it? No, we want to bring it. We want to move to you, not you move to us. And I can tell you story after story of why, why we do what we do. And, and, and it's great that we were able to do it. But, but this is that thing. Why are we not moving in those directions anymore? That, that old statement, you're blessed to be a blessing. I, I was sitting at Starbucks on Saturday, and there was another person God laid on my heart to bless. And, and so I, I called him. I said, hey, can you meet me here by 1120? I got something for you. I want to talk. That's what I said. I, said, I want to talk to you about something because I was being secretive. And I walked in. They sat down. I said, here. Why? Why? Because I would rather give than get. Oh, come on, Pastor, you want stuff? I do want stuff. That's to be a lie to tell you I don't want stuff. I dream about stuff all the time. I went and looked at the store today and looked at a gun. Amen. I like stuff. Really big gun, too. It was cool. <laughs> I don't like guns. Okay, that's your choice. I'm just saying I liked it. Doesn't mean I'm getting it. I just like it. But 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 here's the thing. I've... I think when you become a marveler of who Christ is and you begin to move towards God and you begin to be a bringer of the message, you realize that the satisfaction in your existence is not about giving, but giving. Jesus came to give. That means if he dwells in me, then now I have a desire to give. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about just life, just of yourself, of who you are. Don't ignore people when they go by. Don't, don't, think you, don't think they've got it. Ask them if they've got it. Your simple question might change their life forever. 
I think I figured it out. There is a harvest that is waiting. Anybody agree with that? There is a harvest that is waiting. But what story will you tell them if you can't tell them about Jesus? What story will you tell them if you can't tell them why he came and what he's done in you? Here's the clear truth. I'm not marveled by the manger and the swaddling clothes. I'm more marveled that that long ago, God saw me and said, I know Brian's not born yet, but I love him so much that thousands of years before his birth, I will send the thing that will change him forever because I love him that much. That's my marvel. I was on God's mind before he sent Jesus to the earth. My life, my family, my kids, all of it was on his mind and his heart. I am marveled at the fact that Jesus came so that I might live. And out of that marveling, let my spirit be moved. And let me be compelled to move closer to him. And as I move closer to him, let me tell others of his unfailing love. His saving grace, His redemptive power. That He is everything that we need. This is not a message to get you to give up gifts. This is a message to get you to unwrap the greatest gift this Christmas. Everybody stand to your feet. So that you can be a part of this because I wasn't excited I was going to do this. Shelly and Courtney, come here. Shelly, come here. Courtney, come here. It's the last two Christmas blessings I have. Came to your house the other night. You weren't home. Knocked on the door. You weren't home. I said, all right, you want me to do it in front of the church? Then cool. So here, on behalf of this family, Merry Christmas. Courtney, you didn't even ask for nothing. You're trying to get by. I get it. So God said, bless Courtney for Christmas. And that's not to make you or either one of you look like your failures. That's to help you both see that God hasn't quit, that the church hasn't quit, and that God's still on the throne. And you get to walk out of here today. It might not be everything you need. But it's something. And that God loves you enough because he knows you and he hasn't forgotten about you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas from this family to you. Here's the crazy part. You ready for this? You gave a Christmas present. You should be excited about them unwrapping that present. 
because I had a part in it. You've been pastor, I didn't give anything. Uh-uh, you did. Because even if you couldn't give from your pocket, you gave from your heart. You might have given a hug. You might have given love. You might have given a smile. You might have given something. But that's what we're about. That's what this family has to be about. We marvel the promise that he brings to us. We are movers towards him, and we are not forgetting the message that God will overcome whatever we walk through. Take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. And this is how we'll close. Right now, in your hand, you hold a gift. I don't know if you realize this. When I say that your promise stands next to you, don't look at your spouse. Look at the other one. Because so many times we think the promise is the one we know the best. But maybe, just maybe, the promise that you've been looking for is found on the inside of somebody you don't know completely yet. I think this year in 2020, your gifts are going to become visual to the world, to this house, to our city. That every one of you in this room has an amazing gift, but I want to see it unwrapped so that it can be seen and so that God can use it. Just raise that hand. Don't break them. This is not time for you to play He-Man. Got you. You're holding a promise. You're holding a miracle. You're holding a miracle. My daughter, we were, God, I got to tell you a story real quick. I'm sorry, I wasn't going to say it, but I got to say it. We left Times the other night. We hadn't had, we went, kids eat free Tuesday, if y'all, or Wednesday, whatever day that is. That's the time to go to Times, amen. Oh, yeah, you work that sucker. Amen. When you got four kids, you work it. And uh, we were leaving, and there's a time capsule. I don't know if you realize that right outside of Times, there's a concrete block with a time capsule that they won't open to 2088. And my daughter goes, I want to be there when they open it. And I'm like, Really? She's like, yeah, I want to be there. She said, you can come too, Dad. <laughs> I appreciate your faith. <laughs> She's like, Dad, it'll be only be 110. I mean, you'll be good. <laughs> I've seen people do it, so I'm not saying it won't happen. Okay. But we were sitting on the bed. We got to the house, and we are sitting on the bed, and she's still talking about this moment. And I said, baby girl, as much as I would love As much as I'd love to be there, I'm probably not. Then it hit me. I don't need a time capsule. I got one sitting right in front of me. And everything I put into that while I'm breathing gets to be a gift that the world gets to unwrap long after I'm gone. So I don't know about you, but you know what I'm where I'm at this Christmas? I got four amazing gifts in Judah, Hope, Love, and Asher. And now I get to put in so what the world sees is who God is on the inside. That's my gifts. And I'm satisfied. I want you to be satisfied this Wednesday. Don't wake up looking. Wake up with a full heart. 
You're not dead, you're alive. Celebrate the one who's kept you this whole year. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you've done in this place. Father, I sense your spirit in this room right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would overlook consumerism and step into the place where you become everything that we need and everything that we even want. That we would look at our lives and see how good you've been to us, even though sometimes we don't say it. Help us, God. Wipe the scales of dead things from our eyes and let us see the life that only you can bring. Father, this Christmas we want to marvel. We want to move. And we want to tell the message so that others might receive what you've given to us. So here's my prayer as their pastor in this moment. You would take them from this place and as they go home, they would find that peace. Help them deal with the crowds as they pick up last-minute presents. Help them to keep their mouths in check as people say bad things to them. (laughs) But let them not forget what you've done for them. What you've given to them. Say it publicly, God, I thank you for my life. I thank you that you gave me another Christmas. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family. Thank you for the things that you have in store for us. I thank you for the mountains that we'll climb and the valleys we'll walk through. I thank you for every hurdle we'll overcome. I thank you for every promise we'll see come to pass. I thank you for every miracle we'll see manifest. I thank you for every outpouring in expectation of what you still have yet to do. God, I thank you even more for Jesus. My hope, my joy, my peace, our hope, our joy, our peace. So God, take us from this place. Give us joy. Let this be a better Christmas than it's ever been. Let it be the best one. Let us hold tightly the promises that stand before us. But then let's reach out to the promises you still have in store for us. Father, we thank you for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.